Welcome to the Evolved Nest. We talk about child development, human flourishing, morality, and society. You're welcome to follow us at www.evolvednest.org. I'm Mary Tarsha, and I'm here today with Dr. Darsha Narvaez. Thank you for being with us. You're welcome. So today, we're going to be talking about how to overcome nature deficit disorder. So what is that? Ooh, nature deficit disorder. Yeah, sounds like a terrible disease. It does. It? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a disorder that Richard Louvre identified. He has a book called Last Child in the Woods. And he noted that very few children, and this is over 10 years ago, uh, were playing outside anymore. And they had no connection to their natural landscape. And he noted the kinds of deficits they developed. They're less tuned in to the natural world's uh, way of being. They didn't really much care about the natural world. They didn't have a sense of feeling safe in the natural world, all sorts of things that really is weird <laughs> for our <laughs> mm. species because our species evolved to be in the natural world and to be really tuned in and to really connect and to be responsive and to be responsible for the well-being of the natural world. So uh, Richard Louvre and others, like Wendell Berry, the poet activist, have pointed out that you really have to develop that sense of connection to nature, nature connection, in order to be fully human and to stop the planetary devastation that's going on mm. now because mm. we're disconnected. Mm. So having a nature disorder, uh, nature connection disorder, means almost like you're afraid of nature or afraid of being in nature or... Yeah, and you can see this in parents now. So there's uh, there was a study that was done in, I think it was 2006 now, uh, that looked at how far parents would allow their children to play away from the home. And it was one-ninth the distance of parents in from 1970, even mm. though the crime rate was the same. Everything pretty much was the same in terms of safety. But the parents were more anxious, mm. and they were less interested in letting their children outdoors. And uh, this notion of controlling children by keeping them indoors is, is, of course, not just a parent thing. It's also screens that have taken over children's time, which reminds me that when television was out, first out, people were worried about its effects. And it turns out that the consensus among scientists who were studying the effects of television in the early years anyway, was that the worst thing about television was what it was replacing. Hmm. It was replacing outdoor time with their friends, of playing social games and such. And there you are sitting in front of a screen, which is not all that great for development. Um, so what's been happening then is that parents and screens have been taking over the lives of children and controlling their ability to go out and freely play. And... Uh, there was a, a woman, Lenore Skenazy, whose son was interested. They lived in New York City, and, and he was interested. At, uh, had been asking him, his mother for the ability to or the uh, opportunity to find his way home. Uh, 
if she dropped him off someplace in the city. And finally, at age 10, she let him do that. So she dropped him off in the middle of New York City and allowed him to figure out how to find his way home. Mm. And then she wrote a blog about it. He was so happy. So it was really great. He had a wonderful self-confidence boosting kind of experience, <laughs> you know. And she wrote about that. And then, oof, the loads of criticism landed. And they called her the world's worst mom. And how could she do this, put her child in danger, on wow. and on and on. Well, she ended up writing a book called Free Range Kids, arguing for the importance of letting children have a free range of, you know, exploring their lives, their their landscapes, their where they are, and giving them the freedom to develop their self-confidence and their abilities. And then she ended up with a TV show. <laughs> showing, Good for her. Yeah, so she helped moms, and I remember watching one episode where the mother was watching, uh, well, wouldn't let her children out of, out of the house, and they lived in a suburban neighborhood, just house after house after house, and um, they finally persuaded the mother to let her children have a lemonade stand in the driveway. And she's watching from the window, biting her nails. So you can see there's some inter intergenerational things happening where, in part because we've undermined the nest, we've made everyone more anxious. And so you feel less safe in the world generally. And so this is trans transferred into parenting as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So... I'm trying to wrap my mind around the fact that nature deficit disorder is really about fear and control then, right? Uh, if you're really afraid of the natural world and you're disconnected, uh, you may be avoided in your own life, avoid going out in nature in your own life and then want to protect your children. Um, uh, having a good uh, orientation, trying to help them and protect them, but really it's... Uh, a harm, right? It's a, an intrusiveness to prevent them from being out in the natural world and to be able to connect in. You're relating this and connecting this to then having to go out and control the world if you're afraid of it and leading to, unfortunately, the state of the crisis that we're in right now, ecologically speaking. Yeah, and that's been happening for hundreds of years or millennia even since civilization kind of started to remove itself from being in the natural world more and more, and this, as cities developed, people got less and less uh, experience with the natural world, and then they got more afraid of it, and then they wanted to control. Well, civilization is about control. So to control um, animals and plants and make them do what you want, and the inability, this goes back to play, the inability to be flexibly attuned to nature is part of the reason... Hmm that's happened. So they lost so many sensibilities. I mean, we our senses are not just five senses. We have dozens of senses. Uh, you know, how your body feels when the wind is blowing a certain way or, you know, the different... Anyway, there's so many senses um, <clears throat> that we've forgotten them in a way because we spend most of our lives indoors mm -hmm. and we've undernourished our sense of, um, of being in the natural world in that flexibly attuned way. And so, yeah, it seems logical to protect kids from what you think is so dangerous. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I really like how you write in other places, too. Uh, you know, attachment parenting and attachment theory has had many decades of uh, investigation and research now. But what's really missing in there is also that connection to nature, right? So it's important to have secure attachments 
with other people and with caregivers. And we talk about that in other, um, other podcasts, but then it's also about connecting to nature as well. That's right. So nature connection is something that uh, Wendell Berry says is really at the heart of our destructiveness of the planet. So we can think logically, yeah, we should be nicer to nature so that we survive as a species, but nothing happens or just keeps going on the way it is. And he says, well, it all turns on affection. You've got to have affection for your local landscape, for these trees, this river, these animals, and keep them in your heart of hearts as part of your community and their well-being as being central, as central as your own. And this is a Native American approach, the American Indian um, First Nations uh, view is that we're all part of the this community, and why would I want to jeopardize my relations? Because the animals and plants and rivers and mountains are all my relations, and I'm responsible to them all. So what I do in my classes now <clears throat> is I try to help my undergraduates get tuned in hmm. to, uh, I mean, they, they this one time we went outside and stood in a circle because we didn't have much time and it was cold. Uh, and I asked them, just close your eyes, breathe deeply. And we practice belly breathing so you can get relaxed, uh, get the vagal, vagal tone going. Uh, and then, you know, what do you hear? What do you feel? And they were, they remarked later like, oh, I didn't know there were birds around here. <laughs> this is on campus with birds and trees, you know. And, oh, the wind, I heard the wind. They're like they never paid attention, right? So we've mm. misdirected our attention in many ways in civilization to work, 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 produce, 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 consume, consume, consume. And we forget that we live on the earth mm -hmm. and we are part of the earth. And if the earth, you know, the earth takes care of us. If we don't take care of it, we're not going to be here much longer mm -hmm. as a species, right? So we've forgotten all that connection and that that really rich um, fruitcake of <laughs> being part of the earth. <laughs> yeah, it's really well, just, you describe it really well. And that uh, I like in other places that you write too about, it's about relationship. It's about connecting and being in relationship with nature, but also learning from nature rather than dominating it and controlling it. You know, being able to be in wonder at a flower or a tree or something like this and to really marvel and learn from uh, the way that it's living and functioning and things like this. I mean, we have a lot to learn from the earth, <laughs> right? Yes, and so this is where the First Nations view, which you can find all over the world, is quite strikingly different from how we understand our relationship with nature. And it sounds insane to us. And this is that nature connect, uh, communicates what, it, what you should do. So people will have dreams, and they'll have the same dream about some plant flowering or some opportunity for a food supply. And then the community talks about their dreams in the morning, for example. And then they all go find it because they, you know, agree, oh, yeah, that must be it. And, and they go find it. Or they'll have stories that they have been, in a way, um, able to tap into and having visions of what the beaver's life is like. And they rely on beavers or bears or, and it's some of the capacities we're missing um, because of the way we've been raising children and the way our culture directs our attention in a particular direction. 
is we're, we're missing the capacity to pick up on all that, what the landscape wants to tell us. And we have to go back to that. Each landscape is a little different and requires different care and has different needs. And this sounds so insane to us because isn't it all dead? Isn't it all <laughs> insentient? In you know, there's only consciousness in humans, right? I mean, but that's not what science is showing us now. We're finding out that forests are alive, that they nurture the mother trees, nurture the younger trees through their roots, even if they're not even the spe same species. There's all sorts of cooperation in nature, and we forgot that because we got caught up in this consuming production, working orientation to living. But that's very weird for humans. Mm. That's very unusual. It's only a small slice of humanity ever that's been oriented this way, and this is the slice that's destroying the planet. Mm. Yeah, you know, an example comes to mind recently. We had some threats of tornadoes in this part of the country and as many other places here in the United States recently. And, you know, just looking at and paying attention to how the animals sense weather change, you know, how much we can learn from them just by paying attention. Oh, my gosh, all of the birds are gone. <laughs> what has happened? Um, you know, or even if you have a pet, they're able to sense different things. And so, just being tuned in to the animals within your own surrounding can help you begin to become more aware that, you know, we can learn from them and, and they help us and we help them, this cooperation that's taking place. Good, yes. So I mentioned Richard Louvre at the beginning with his book, um, Nature, I'm sorry, it's called uh, Last, Last Child in the Woods about nature deficit disorder. He has a more recent book called vitamin N, and it's the essential guide to a nature-rich life, 500 ways to enrich the health and happiness of your family and community and combat nature deficit disorder. So this book has 500 ways to get connected. So he talks about, you know, how you can just create um, the nature-rich home environment. Your backyard can be a nature preserve. You can uh, create places that are full of life. Uh, and then you can uh, go wild and go out into wilder places and do things that uh, help you learn about those animals or plants, uh, learn about the weather. And there's ways he has ideas for schools too and communities for what they can do. But he also talks about this <clears throat> sensory dysfunction, which I mentioned that I think we really have a lot of it. We're just underdeveloped in so many ways that nature can help us mm. develop. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I mean, I was just thinking about another article that we had talked about recently, and they were looking at just the effect of 20 minutes a day being in nature and how beneficial it is on so many different levels. But unfortunately, you know, they, they termed this the nature dosage, like your pill of nature. And, you know, that really aggravated me because then right there, you're seeing that this framework of how we're dominating nature rather than entering into nature as a relationship and appreciation and a sense of wonder. But um, even apart from that, you know, they're finding all of these effects, even just from a small amount every day. That's right. We're that's what our we're, we're part of nature, and we came out of nature, and we need it to flourish. So it's not a surprise. But yeah, the very mechanical, mechanistic, scientific world though wants to you know make doses and and control and manipulate everything instead of being wise about it. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for those suggestions and helping us overcome nature deficit disorder and, and regain that connection to the natural world. And we look forward to being with you next time.